P-F-K. Thank you. KPFK appreciates our forward-thinking donors who are interested in making charitable gifts to the station through their will or estate plans. These planned gifts include either cash, stock, or real estate and play a significant part in preserving KPFK's future. Join KPFK's Legacy Circle and include KPFK in your will or living trust. For details, visit our website at kpfk.org. And thank you. program are those of the show hosts, producers, and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of KPFK and Pacifica Radio. Liberated, freed, released, free from traditional social restraints, sisters, girls or women who share a common ancestry, allegiance, character, or purpose with another or others, fellow black women or girls. <laughs> Good morning, good morning. Coming live from KPFK Studios, this is Liberated Sisters. I am Angela Birdsong, sitting in for Sister Charlene Muhammad. We have a wonderful show set up for you today. Have you heard of the Compton Cowboys? Black Cowboys? I have not either until I went to Range Projects Gallery on Slauson Avenue and checked it out for myself. One of the most exciting exhibit openings I have attended in a, in a long time. And Liberated Sisters want you to hear all about the artist, Gabe Galt, and the gallery with its executive art director, Julia Smith. Now, last week on Liberated Sisters, you heard part of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's Savior's Day speech given in Chicago at the Trust Arena. Today, Brother Demetri Muhammad from the research team for the Nation of Islam returns as our guest to speak about the truth, the lies, about Savior's Day message and the minister. And we will take your calls at 818-985-5735. But first, meet the team behind the Wild West Side exhibit with portraits of the Compton Cowboys at Range Projects Gallery on Slauson. Tell me, why Range Projects Gallery and why here on Slauson? I want to answer your first question, why on Slauson? Why not on Slauson? You know, we have a lot of um, history here on Slauson, uh, a lot of artists. Um, you know, we have the Afiba Center uh, right there on Crenshaw and Slauson. There's a lot of rich African-American black culture here. You know, unfortunately, um, one of our, you know, beloved artists, Nipsey Hussle, was slain, you know, what, 500 yards from my place of business. And he was an artist. So, you know, it's only right that uh, we keep the arts thriving and all forms of arts thriving on Slauson. What, what the Liberator Sisters don't know about you you were running for the neighborhood council for at-large representative. So this neighborhood here, you know extremely well. You're right again. I do know this neighborhood uh, very well. And um, through my activism and using my platform, being a community board representative, that's how I discovered this um, art gallery. That, that's the whole beauty of this. This is what I, I want to share with everyone, you know, that we want to live in communities that we can walk around and, you know, discover things and engage and socialize with each other. Yeah, that that's what makes healthy and beautiful, thriving communities. I'm committed to um, bringing awareness to the space um, bringing awareness um, to the importance of arts in my community, not just my community, but all communities. 
So um, in celebration of Black History Month, we uh, started off with uh, Jessie Ujazzy. She's a young, talented artist. If you missed the exhibit, I hope that you will follow Jessie Ujazzy. And then we moved right into March, continuing, the celebration continues into March. Which, you know, that's what Range Projects is all about. We're still celebrating African-American culture. That's what I'm committed to doing. All right. Next, we will hear from the artist for this month, Gabe Gold. Gabe, yes. tell me why the Compton Cowboys? What's significant about the Compton mm -hmm. Cowboys? The Compton Cowboys, the first time I came across what they were doing and how they approached their community and were giving back to the community in their way. I had to instantly learn about these guys some more, get to know these guys. I reached out uh, with the gallery curator, Julia. Uh, she already had a relationship with them and that just kind of set everything in stone. And after that, um, you know, history was made. I feel like we connected and we got to go down to the ranch, see what they live day to day and how they get down and what is their normal routine. And I just was like a fly on the wall, capturing content, seeing, you know, their everyday life and routine. Like I wanted to see um, all those little moments that they, that they have throughout the day. Um, and throughout that day, I just saw so much passion in their eyes of what they are always doing with the animals and with the next generation and teaching and um, also learning at the same time. So it was a great experience overall, uh, being able to connect with everybody, all the all the writers, all the black cowboys I met through the journey, um, up to even Bill Pickett Rodeo. That was a fun experience. My first time there and getting to shoot different cowboys and meeting cowboys from all over the the, the U.S. Um, yeah, just a great overall, you know, deep dive into the world of black cowboys. How long did it take you from start to finish with this project? So I thought of the idea last year, early last year. Um, I, I reached out in August to the Compton Cowboys. Super busy dudes. Uh, they're always on the go, always on the move. We didn't get to connect till around December. And in, de and in December, I got to go down to the ranch. Um, and so it's been, it's been in the works for a while. Um, and I'm glad it just, to see everything just come to life. Um, it's really cool to capture all these moments that I, I, I got to hang out with them. And you painted yeah. these pieces, these art pieces. And how amount of time? What amount of time? So I started in December. Uh, I'm a pretty fast worker. Yes, you are. But um, Liberated Sisters, you guys are not able to see what I'm looking at right now unless you come to 3718 Range Projects Gallery on Slauson, West Slauson Avenue in Los Angeles and see it for yourself. But Gabe, yeah. December to this date mm -hmm. right now in March, yeah. you completed all these pieces. How many pieces are there? There's about 14, actually 15 pieces total, including the sculptures. Um, that I worked on, so there's quite a there's a lot of pieces that I had to really get down on in this amount of time, and even when I'm not painting, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about the execution, so I'm constantly working. I'm constantly thinking about how do I solve this color or what what how do I want to tweak this piece to make it a little bit better. So it's a constant process. I think as an artist goes on in life, they start to uh, take on that piece every single day of their life and then when they're in the studio to execute it that's that's go mode that's when everything i was thinking about is going down on this canvas what is the history about the compton cowboys that we do not know about it's goes far back um just black cowboys in general in the wild west there is some statistic about there being about 25 percent of cowboys in the west were black and there's a lot of untold history behind uh, the black cowboy culture and it's 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 not just in Compton or in LA it's it's nationwide right so it's you got cowboys coming from all across the country with different um, different backgrounds with the same culture um, and they're coming together to really keep their community going um, and it's a it's a really beautiful place and a beautiful thing that I see out here 
Okay, so now what's next? I'm playing the next show. I want to go out and ride with some of these guys, get some uh, some more good times going, take some more shots and paint some more paintings. And, uh, yeah, hopefully there's a, another exhibit, you know, sometime in the near future. Okay, okay. Now, how many other exhibits have you had, and how long have you been drawing, painting? Um, I've had exhibits on and off since 2017. Um, this is my third solo exhibit. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of murals in the L.A. area and also just across the nation. I have the largest nation in uh, the U.S. in Toledo, Ohio, and that's uh, been a really cool project. You have the largest what? Mural in the nation. And that's been a fun project with eight different artists, uh, 30 plus people behind the scenes. So that was a big one that we just finished up. And yeah, it just kind of keeps going. It's a gift that keeps on giving. I got to work with the Lakers, with Madden, with uh, Nike. Uh, and there's just so many, the list just goes on and on. So it's a fun, it's been a fun journey so far. And it's cool to get back to, uh, you know, painting subjects that I really love as well. Um, and I get to cho choose at the same time. So, yeah, this has been a really fun project, and I, I hope to keep this going. And some of your subjects came here and saw themselves for the first time on the wall. Yeah, a lot of the subjects saw, their, saw themselves for the first time, got to see their selves next to their horses uh, up close and personal and portraits of themselves. So they were ecstatic about it they they love the whole process they love the pieces they yeah those guys are like family like it's really was a cool way to connect with them and and just kind of bring everybody together like the crowd here was just the energy tonight was was insane i i don't know if anybody has ever uh <laughs> made me feel the way i feel tonight like um I got the comment that they've never seen, like a horse came into the actual gallery and they were like, I've never seen a, a show like this. I've never been to a show like this before in my life. Um, and they've been to a lot of shows. So I was like, yeah, this is uh, a night to remember. This is for the books. Oh, uh, yeah, most definitely a memorable night. And then you have a few cowgirls on the yeah, wall here, too. Absolutely. Uh, one of them is actually Sharice, who her daughter was... It is really good friends with my sister, uh, and so we go way back family-wise, but I went out to her ranch in Agua Dolce up north, um, and she invited me to to come out, take photos, and I wanted to, you know, just kind of see how they were doing it up there. So it's been a cool thing to connect with her as well. I wanted to get a couple more women in here as well. So, okay. And we also have our... Uh, merchandise for sale as well we me and my friend daniel and he has a barbershop down in venice beach um and yeah it's it's been cool to collaborate with him and make a new brand out of it so we have a wild west side brand as well that we just launched excellent excellent now how do we find you <clears throat> you can find me um on instagram at gabe galt i'm cross-platform i'm on tiktok as well i got some cool virtual reality stuff i've been doing with art um, and yeah, I'm all over the place at Gabe Galt and you check out Saints Barbershop, check that out online and, uh, yeah, you'll be able to find some of the merch there as well. Now tell us about your education background and becoming an artist. Um, I was, uh, I was always into art growing up. I went to SMC for two years. I ended up dropping out. Um, I did an internship for six plus years with my mentor, Rob Pryor. And he's been in the industry for 30 plus years. Um, and yeah, we started to do comic books and movie posters and video games and all that stuff. So he's, I got a really solid background in executing and also in like a timely fashion. Um, and yeah, I started to pursue fine art in like 2016, maybe. So I started painting on canvases, painting on walls and murals and uh, you know, I wasn't making any money, that I was breaking even, then I was like, okay, I can do this for a living. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my, my go-to story of how I like to explain my upbringing. Um, and it's been good ever since. Like, it's been keeping me on my toes, so many different projects and different flocks of life. So, yeah. Right. Okay, well, they started the music started again. The music. <laughs> so I think this is a good place for us to end. I have so many more questions, but this will not be our last time Absolutely. doing an interview. Thank you so much. I'm Angela Birdsong, More Than a Sparrow Productions. 
Yes, Range Projects Gallery, where the celebration of black history continues with the Wild West Side exhibit by artist Gabe Galt sharing his portraits of Compton Cowboys. This exhibit runs until March 31st at 3718 West Lawson Avenue in Los Angeles, Fridays 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Saturdays 3 to 7 p.m. And where Julia Smith is the curator. And yes, you guys, a horse did walk through the gallery and there were four horses available for us to ride. Also, it was the most it was a super fantastic exhibit. And I really enjoyed interviewing both Julia, who was a close friend of mine and her artist of the month, Gabe Galt. For more information about the Wild West Side exhibit by Gabe Galt and upcoming gallery events, call Range Projects Gallery at 323-528-6839. That's 323-528-6839 for more details. And I'll let you know how to hear the full interview. Be on the lookout for that. Next, we will have Brother Demetric Muhammad from the research team for the Nation of Islam. He returns as our guest to speak about Savior's Day and more. We will open up the phone lines and take your calls when we return at 818-985-KPFK. That's 818-985-5735. I'm sorry. Your time has come, has come, has come, has come, has come, has come, has is present today. They need to be afraid. You need to be afraid today because the God of justice is present now. That's why he said, vengeance is mine. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And God has come. The battle is on. And the plagues are coming down. But no, I'm not afraid. But you need to be. And especially when you see what's coming up. Because as a man soweth, the same shall he also reap. And when you have done the evil that you've done to us and done it to others, did you never think that there would come a day when you would have to pay for all that crap that you have done? Thomas Jefferson said it right, brother. He said, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. Well, his justice has awakened and all over the world, the nations are turning right before our eyes. And that's why Trump is saying we got to make America great. How? When? Again. Because she's not great today. People are not afraid. The world has taken enough of America's evil. So death is sweeter for some than continuing to live under white supremacy and under tyranny. So no, I don't care nothing about them investigating me or arresting me or even killing me. But I tell you what, I tell you what, I'll give you a little warning. You killed your last man when you killed Dr. King. You will not get that chance to do that to me. And if it pleases God that you do kill me right after you kill me, all of you going to die. Because I'm not here by myself. I'm not here of myself. You can see that God must be back in me. Otherwise, where would I get the strength to say, do what I do? No, man. It's our time now. Now. God has sent me to make you all feel the wrath and coming. I'm here to heat up and beat the street up. I'm back to punish. While Trump is present with a mouth screaming louder than trumpets. Now you bow to the puppets. I'm a stand and stick around for the judgment. Use the world stage with the God crown and put it down for the public. The earth is pain with a lost crown of demonic indulgence. These devil consultants lost his wine and reminds of the culprits. Kind of impulsive to expose them through rhymes that I publish. Kind of disruptive when I talk now. Line up the subjects. I'm tired of injustice from the post politicians and judges. When you witness the abuse of power, sometimes it's seductive. And I question God while Create a creature that is so destructive. Hold all your grudges and focus while you create expenses. Every man is free of choice, but a man is free of consequences. Hold your suggestions and listen closely as study lessons. Causing rain, hail, snow, and earthquake and travel dimensions. The ground will rattle the earth will 
Humble like a stampede of cattle. 120 feet was fucking faster than sound travel. How many more protests? How many more marches? Zero results are so grotesque. Don't even get me started to climb up my mama. She knows best. Fight for the daily departed. God is the armor. We so passionate. on the target. From a certificate of merit down to a felony. From one's actions and deeds. Justice is a reward penalty. Pants too tight. It's been part of the plan, fool. It's fucked around and made the demasculization of man. Appreciate my pop never stop to the death of me. Wages to be men and I'll never disgrace our legacy. Following trends that don't make us men is the recipe. Can't forget what make your mother a necessity. In the last couple of years, you look like you need therapy. Mentally, it appears as if the imbalance is chemically. Chemically. How you gonna try to stop God's work? It can never happen even after I'm back in the lost dirt. I'm here to present the impact of the extinction level event. Too. I'm only here to present and bring the impact of the extinction level event. Two, 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 two. Tell Buster Rhyme, I saw him at the Grammys. He spoke with passion. With passion. With passion. That was Busta Rhymes, The Wrath of God, featuring the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. What a great way to introduce and bring back Brother Demetric Muhammad. Welcome back to Liberated Sisters, Brother Demetric. Are you there? Thank you, Sister Angie. I'm very honored to be here with you. Yes, yes. Excellent, excellent. So, Savior's Day. That took place. What, what were the dates of Savior's Day? And what is Savior's Day, the purpose? And what was the message from the minister to the Nation of Islam and to the world at large? Well, as you know, Sister Angie, each and every year, it seems like I'm getting some feedback. Is that just on my end? Um, just make sure that you have your, your radio turned off. Um, you're not on speakerphone. And... And I, I know that you're you're coming in from out of state, so make sure you don't have the the radio um, the show playing anywhere on your devices. Okay, I think it, I think I was on speakerphone. But okay, there there you go. Hear it a bit now. I, I took it off speakerphone. I still seem to hear it a bit, but we'll try to power through it. Okay. Um, but of course, each and every year, the Nation of Islam gathers for our annual conference slash convention that's really a celebration of the birth of the founder of the nation of Islam, Master Fard Muhammad, who came July 4th, 1930, to begin the great and august process of the mental and spiritual resurrection of the downtrodden, the despised and rejected black man and woman of America. And each and every year we gather, and there are workshops and plenary sessions. There are sometimes fashion shows for modest fashion. There is our great uh, drill competition that is one of the most uh, well-attended and very, you know, high-spirited events at Savior's Day. And uh, there's just this wonderful gathering of, of good-hearted and righteous brothers and sisters who have come from near and far. Many times we receive brothers and sisters from the European region, Mexico, Africa, who come and we gather and we fellowship and we study and we learn and we are blessed with the great esprit de corps of our brothers and sisters of the faith, as well as the larger community of our people. And of course, the crowning event of the Savior's Day weekend is the message by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And I must add that in the early days, Savior's Day was certainly uh, focused on the celebration of the birth of Master Fard Muhammad. But during the rebuilding of the Nation of Islam, it was the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan who said that he wanted Savior's Day to also, in addition to celebrating the birth of our founder, to be a celebration and a recognition of those courageous brothers and sisters from the black struggle who have organically at times 
arisen to speak truth to power and to pursue a campaign of total liberation for our people. So if you look at it from the perspective of English grammar, the Savior's Day Convention is not Savior's apostrophe S, but it's Savior's S apostrophe, meaning that this is an event where we acknowledge and we celebrate and we recognize all of those who have attempted to save the black man and woman of America. And this is uh, within the purview of the scriptural prediction that in the Bible it says in the book of Nehemiah 9 and 27 that when God saw his people in bondage, he said that he would send saviors, plural, after them to deliver them from their enemies. So we know that in our community and in our struggle, we have had the likes of Ida B. Wells, Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, you name it. We've had great ones. And even though they may have had a difference of approach, sometimes they may have been as, not adversaries, I would say, but just have went about the struggle different from another brother or sister, but we were all united. All of those courageous brothers and sisters were on the same page in terms of wanting to see our people free and restored to our rightful place with God and the human family of the planet. So Savior's Day is something we look forward to, Sister Angie, and this year we were blessed with the success of our conference and we were more than blessed with a divinely inspired message by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And and what was that? That you know, actually, before I ask you, what was that message? Um, just the excitement about Savior's Day. I always see that in Sister Charlene when when that time of the year comes comes around. And I remember one year you guys were in Jamaica for for Savior's Day. And I'm so glad that you you reminded me that it is international that people come from um places outside of the United States to to join you guys. Uh but I do remember when you guys were in in Jamaica and and, and seeing the pictures from there and the stories. But she she's all Sister Charlene's always um looks forward um her and her family look forward to um Savior's Day. And so now, what was the message from the from the minister? Um, did, did does he speak every day? Is there just one particular day that he speaks? And um, like most conferences, I'm sure there are, are breakout workshops, pl- plenary sessions, or what have you. What 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 does that whole week look like? Well, as you pointed out, we come together on Thursday. I believe this year our dates were. February 23rd through February 26th. The 26th of February was certainly very special for us this year. That's the That was the last day of Savior's Day. That was the day that the minister gave his Savior's Day address, and that is also the date historically that is the birth of Master Far Muhammad. He was born February 26th, 1877, in the holy city of Mecca in Arabia. And so this year, our conference was actually on the date, the very specific date is always on or near February 26th. But this year we were on February 26th, and certainly the minister's message was so profound. It was a message that I think is very timely. The minister's subject was the war of Armageddon has begun. And I think that Most of us have a sneaking suspicion that we are on the cusp of national, maybe international, global, universal, even change. There are so many different news developments, and there is the recognition of the occurrence of certain phenomena that we just have not seen before. As the scriptures say, wars and the rumor of more wars, famine, pestilence in diverse places, earthquakes. And so the minister who 
does, unlike any other spiritual teacher, he gave to us a much needed perspective on the time in which we live, helping us to see where the black people of America and the oppressed people of the earth, where are we situated in that which the scriptures have prophesied of a war of Armageddon? He talked about the war that would be a war to end all wars. The Bible speaks of it. The Quran speaks of it. He talked about the great fight between truth and falsehood that really is at the center or the heart of Armageddon. Armageddon is certainly manifested in nations rising against nations, and there is an aspect of it that is a real physical war. But the minister helped us to see that it begins with the war between truth and falsehood, and certainly his history is the window through which we can see the fight between truth and falsehood because the minister's message has been so transformative in the lives of so many of our people, yet those in the highest positions of power in America and the world find his message problematic, and they have opposed him. And he certainly talked about the great opposition to his message, which is interpreted by us as an opposing posture by the rulers of the world against the rise of the oppressed of the world, because the minister's message has always been the kind of message that took fallen men and women and made us righteous men and women. And so anybody that would stand in the way of the message of the minister must and needs be an enemy of the poor and the downtrodden. So the minister, as he is known, had a magnificent message that covered multiple themes. And quite frankly, I'm still studying that message. And the more I study it, the more I see into it. And I would encourage all of those in the listening audience to go to NOI.org. If you were not able to watch the Sages Day message when it was airing live, you can go to NOI.org and you can watch it now. Yeah, that you know, I I listened to to some of it, and um, I most definitely will go back and listen to it in its entirety. Um, you know, when you so the war of Armageddon was the was the theme of his his message on February twenty sixth. Yes, ma'am. Okay, okay, and um. You know, so I, you know, of course, I'm. I have the computer in front of me, so I, I had to Google Armageddon. I know you, you know how you know what what a word means, sure, but you're like, course, but you're like, let, let me look that up. And it does say in the New Testament, the last battle between good and evil before the day of judgment. And as you were, um, you know, speaking about the um, the hero wars and rumor of wars, I was like, okay, well, I know where that is. That's in Matthew 24 because. You know, I'm I'm kind of a church girl. <laughs> right, you right, know, right. No, I I am a church girl. I am a church girl, and um, you know, so I was like, well, let me let me go there. Let let, let me keep up with Brother Demetric and what 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 he's saying and what have you. So, you know, so when people hear the minister talk about the War of Armageddon, that this is not something that he made up. This is not something brand new, whether you're Muslim or you're Christian or you're somewhere in between or what have you, or you, you pick up the Quran or you pick up the Bible to read, then you would know that, that this is when Jesus was talking to his disciples privately, privately. Jesus had, you know, was saying, um, um, that, that the temple was going to be, you know, torn down, basically talking about his, his death, um, that, that, you know, his, his death, that he was willing to die for the world, for, for salvation, et cetera, da, 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 just giving the black background story. And, and, you know, the disciples was like, okay, when is, when is this going to happen? What is going? He said, let me tell you, 
there's going to be some other things going to happen before that, before, before I come back. And so for those of you guys who, you know, just need to know the background of, of that is not like, um, I guess, I guess is when, uh, when people would say pastors would come with the fire and brimstone, but the, you know, but Armageddon is something that, um, Christians do look forward to, um, uh, when that time, um, because that means crisis is coming back. So you said there was some opposition to, to the message. And, and then of course, people who embrace the message. So what were any of the plan of actions from the message? What, you know, cause I, cause I know when you go to conferences, when you go to, um, especially national, international conferences, there's always a, a plan of action for the people to do for their homes, their communities, their neighborhoods, their workplaces, um, the world at large. What, what are some of the plan of actions that you guys have? The minister instructed all who know the truth to stand up on that truth and to speak that truth. He instructed us that we are in an hour of the truth and that we should not be afraid to establish truth in our lives, starting with the transformative power of truth that is able to cause us to meet and overcome whatever personal challenges we have. Establishing truth in our lives that we might repair our families and that we might restore right relationships, husband to wife, father to son, mother to daughter. And after that, he challenged us to do that which the scriptures challenge all believing men and women of faith to do, and that is to be willing to speak truth to power, particularly in a world like the world in which we live, where there always is the uh, propaganda and lies and falsehood that circulate, seeking to keep people in a dumbed-down state. And so the scriptures teach the believing men and women to spread truth. And in fact, the Holy Quran has a particular verse that was really part of the title verbiage for the previous edition of the final call. And it says, hurl truth at falsehood until it knocks out falsehood's brain. And so this spiritual admonition is a part of the admonition that the minister has given to us. When we go into the black community and we go into the Latino community, even in poor white communities, we see communities uh, that may be played with crime and violence and many different social pathologies. And one might draw the false conclusion that these communities are in disrepair because there's something inherently wrong with the people that live there. But it has always been the view of the minister that there's nothing wrong with the people. It's just that the people need to be rightly guided. The people need to be fed a diet of truth and wisdom from God that might empower them to rise and make their communities decent places to live. So that is the marching order that the minister has given to us and we are now seeking to do that wherever you find the members of the Nation of Islam. Okay, so the mar- the marching orders, yes. And so the you you alluded earlier um with some problematic responses, you know, where people um you know, all kind of responses, good, bad, and and the ugly. How do you guys prepare for negative feedback from from those who who look at Savior's Day or the message from the minister as being um, not favorable or 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 anti-Semitic? Well, at this point, you know we we are used to it, Sister Angie. We're prepared for that. 
Would you so, say you, you guys are used to it, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we understand that there are groups like the Anti-Defamation League of B'nai B'rith and, you know, other uh, publications that make a, a, a false claim to represent the whole of the Jewish community in their criticisms of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. They, they appear... Uh, anytime that the minister speaks, and their whole goal is to slander the name of a good man. They remind me, you, you talked about being a, a church girl. Well, I, I certainly grew up in a wonderful Baptist church down here in the South in what they call the Bible Belt. And if you remember in the New Testament, you had the religious leaders, the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, you had the scribes. Yes. They were in a ugly Confederate uh, opposition to Jesus and his wonderful ministry. And at a certain point in John 7 and 13, it said that, and none had courage to speak favorably of Jesus for fear of the Jewish leaders. And if you read that in John 7 and 13, and you look at the history of Minister Farrakhan in America today, you find that it is very intriguing that there's a direct parallel to Jesus' message and the opposition that it attracted in the New Testament and Minister Farrakhan's message and the opposition that it attracts today. So you have these groups like the ADL, the Wiesenthal Center, Southern Poverty Law Center, they are like the modern Pharisees and the modern Sadducees and scribes who see and they know privately that Minister Farrakhan is a good man. You even had Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL who candidly said, we know Minister Farrakhan is good for black people. Yet over and over again, do they take a opposing position toward the minister? seeking even to pressure Ticketmaster, who, as we all know, you can hardly do any kind of big event or rent out any big arena in America today without having to go through Ticketmaster. In truth, Ticketmaster does have a monopoly on big event ticket sales. And yet, even though knowing that Minister Farrakhan is good for black people in America, even though they know that black people need guidance and leadership and a positive example. They know these things, yet they wrote letters to Ticketmaster asking Ticketmaster to consider the fact that Minister Farrakhan is judged by them to be anti-Semitic. You know, to be clear, this is a slanderous claim that has never been proven. It's a slanderous claim that they act as though it's been a certified designation from some authoritative body somewhere that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is anti-Semitic. And that is, as a point of fact, not the case at all. It's an opinion, and it is a caustic reaction to the minister's widespread proliferation of truth among black people in America and oppressed people throughout the earth. And so we have to deal with this, and we are certainly in a battle between truth and falsehood, where you have the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam representing truth, and you have groups like the Anti-Defamation League of B'nai B'rith representing falsehood. We're taking calls, 818-985-5735. You're listening to Liberated Sisters. We have Brother Dimitri Muhammad from the research team for the Nation of Islam. And we are talking about Savior's Day, um, the purpose of it, the lies, the truth, and the message. Um, and the, the Minister Farrakhan here at KPFK, 818-985-5735. So do you guys get do you guys get training on how to handle the the, the public and and to how how to respond to you know when I say the public it, it could just be your coworker or what have you do you guys get some kind of training because it seems it seems to be that once 
the nation of Islam was birthed, there was always opposition to to it as an entity. Yes, we are trained not so much with a <clears throat> lens or consideration of handling the public, but our training is the training of a righteous Muslim. And the component part of that training, if you were to look at that and examine it and analyze it, you would see that if one submits his or herself to that training, it would well suit them to survive and thrive in any particular kind of situation. Certainly, the nation of Islam is birthed in American society that is a society that is both hostile to black life in America and hostile to that which would relieve black life in America of the burden that we as a people have carried, a burden of ignorance, a burden of self-hatred, a burden of disunity, a burden of a socially engineered, savage behavior that was part and parcel to the process of our enslavement. So Islam has always been identified as a force to relieve poor and oppressed people of those kinds of burdens. So we come into our life in Islam learning how to navigate a hostile environment such that we might be representatives of righteousness and truth wherever we find ourselves. Right. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, have you say that again for the people in the back? You know how, how they'll say it goes. Uh, <laughs> you you are you're so, you know, as you were answering that that question, I, I realized, yeah, I, I, as a black woman, I have to know how to navigate through through those waters, through, through the, you know, those hostile waters uh, when you are part of a group, are part of a movement that's to better yourself and to and to advocate for others, you, you do receive some extreme pushback. Okay, we have a caller, and you guys give us a call at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK, with your questions for Brother Dimitri Muhammad. So we have Shelly. Shelly, welcome to Liberated yes. Sisters. What, what is your question? I have a question. I have a statement to make uh, in regards to the Armageddon uh, situation that's happening presently. Well, um, back in uh, 1973, uh, there was a call made to uh, God, whatever your religion uh, calls him, um, and uh, it was given to me to answer the call. And... um, I started approaching uh, this individual um, with the truth of, from um, personal uh, experience. Okay, and a long time passes now, 45, 50 years, it's backfired on me where the government stepped in, uh, the CIA, they even paid me a visit to let me know that what I was feeling was not a, a figment of my imagination. Okay, so Shelly, Shelly, so 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 let me be able to let let me be able to keep up with you here. So you said 1973, you got you got a vision about um, the the day of Armageddon, and and then you met some got got some face some opposition um, about it. And so today, where do you stand on it? What's happening with you today? And it, and you, I can't you you you've been listening. You don't have a a question for Brother Dimitri, after all what you've been going through since 1973? No, ma'am, I have a question. You don't have a question? Mm-hmm. Okay, and okay. I want to make a statement. Uh, the CIA came by here to let me know the affliction that I have been feeling 
and it's still going on. It's a form of radiation with some type of uh, electronic um, uh, scan going on in my head as well. And they told me that um, my system would be um, uh, have magnetic. Uh, 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 what well, Miss 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 Shelley Miss Shelley I know I know your story I know your story is is poignant and 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 rather uh, wonderful and, and personal to use but we were trying to get some more calls in here with questions to Brother Demetric but we do we do appreciate you calling Liberated Sisters um, today about your story and just prayers and blessings for you as you go through what you've been had that has started back in 1973. So brother Dimitri, are there any Jewish people who support the minister? I know, you know, we, we talked about this briefly last night and, you know, with the ADL, the, um, the Weisenthal um, um, forum, et cetera. But are there, are there any who are openly supportive of the minister? Well, you know, Sister Angie, the Jews are not a monolithic group of people, <clears throat> and there are those that have over the years that have stepped forth to acknowledge that the message of Minister Farrakhan is a message of truth. And there are those who have opposed the members of their own kith and kin who have attacked the minister. I remember certain communities of the Jewish people who stood with Minister Farrakhan during the march that we held in Washington, D.C. in the year 2000, I believe it was, the Million Family March. I remember there was a community of the uh, Jewish people who spoke out in defense of Minister Farrakhan, a group called Natura Carta, who, you know, challenged the ADL back in the 80s and 90s when they were trying to, you know, slander the minister's name and say he said certain things that he did not say at all. You know, they came forward to defend the minister. There's a popular rabbi, Mordecai Hager, who brought to the minister a silver plate with an inscription, a very beautiful inscription on it that identified the minister as the Messiah. So, you know, to sit back and act as though the Anti-Defamation League of Nabris, whom the Nation of Islam is in a controversy and a conflict with, represents all members of the Jewish community, I believe, would be a mistake to think that the Simon Wiesenthal Center and the Southern Poverty Law Center and Forward Magazine and Al Jemina Magazine and all of these periodicals that rise up whenever the minister speaks to slander his noble and righteous name, to act as if they represented all of the Jews would be a mistake. And if you listen to the minister's message, you see that the minister invited the righteous Jews to come and to unite with him in the spreading of truth and the doing of good, which is the duty of men and women of faith. And I would just say that I never want <clears throat> this truth to be lost on any who would look upon the nation of Islam. And that truth is that at our core, we are spiritual people standing on a firm spiritual foundation with the belief in God and a belief in his scriptures. And our primary guidebook is the Holy Quran. And the Holy Quran encourages the Muslims to be doers of good. In fact, whenever you read the Quran, the believers are addressed directly by Allah, God. And they're not just addressed as those who believe, but over and over again, they are addressed as both those who believe and those who do good. 
And one of the good things that the believers in Islam are encouraged to do in the Quran is to have respect for Jews and Christians. The Quran calls them the people of the book. And it says to a Muslim that we should respect and even protect the houses of worship of Jews and Christians. So to put the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who's the best Muslim that I know, into some category of being an anti-Semite or anti-whatever, you know, would belie the fact that he is a practicing righteous Muslim who believes in the teachings of the Holy Quran. And so the minister, however, as I said earlier, is not just one like, you know, there are some people who like to practice only a part of their religion, you know, and people think this has caused people to think that spiritual men and women are pliant, are go along to get along, are weak, are just going to allow you to slap them on one cheek and then turn the other cheek and let you slap them on that cheek. No. The whole of the Word of God, if you read it, both the Bible and the Holy Quran, if you follow all of it, you are both humble, but you are also courageous. You are both a lamb, and you're also a lion. The Bible puts it like this. Perfect love casts out fear. So where you find the truly spiritual men and women of faith, you don't find people who are weak in the face of evil and injustice. You find people who are strong in the face of evil and injustice and who are willing to call out evil wherever they see it. And we all bear witness that that is the hallmark of the minister's character. He's not just a uh, one that offers critique of Jewish misconduct in the black community, but there's been no stronger criticizer of black misconduct in the black community than the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Let's not forget the minister in 1993 and 94, he crisscrossed America doing men's only tours. And he would fill stadiums and arenas with black men. And what was he doing? He was in there teaching us that we need to be better husbands, better fathers, better sons. He was teaching us to be stand-up men in our community. And that if you got children, now you got to see that every child in your neighborhood is an extension of your family. So look out for the children who may not have fathers in their lives. This is just a sample of what Minister Farrakhan was teaching us. And he was telling us, don't call each other by the N-word. He was telling us, you can't be a good man if you beat your woman. You see, these are the things that the minister is teaching us as he condemns the savage activity that a lot of times we perpetrate among one another. Yet no one ever calls Minister Farrakhan anti-black. No <laughs> one ever calls him anti-black man or anti-black woman. <laughs> You're right about Even that. <laughs> he criticizes us more than he criticizes anyone else. You see, because the place from which the minister says what he says, it's not a place of hatred. It's a place of love. But just like mom and dad when we were growing up, now I don't know about you, Sister Angie, but I, I, I come from a household where they believed in that old biblical proverb that if you <laughs> spare the rod, you spoil the child. So, you know, but I never would say because my mother whipped my backside that she didn't love me. I never would say that because my father whipped my backside that he didn't love me. And if you look at God, you know, in Christianity, there's a use of language, not so much used in Islam, but the terminology is God, the Father. In Islam, there's a companion concept, even though we don't use that same language, but it's called Rabbil Alameen. So Rab in Islam or Quranic Arabic, the meaning of it is the fosterer, the nurturer, the sustainer, the evolver 
of what God creates. Well, if you look at that definition, that's exactly what a father does, you see. So if you look but Brother Demetri, I, ha- I hate to cut, cut you off. We are we have ran out of time. We didn't even talk about Ramadan is coming up <laughs> on March 22nd. Come back, next time. <laughs> Come back next time. Right, right, right. You have to, we have to get so, okay, Liberated Sisters, KPFK, to find Brother Demetrius' books, his blogs, go to his website, researchminister.com. And his books can also be found on on Amazon. So thank you for tuning in to Liberated Sisters. Thank you to our guests, Julia Smith, Gabe Galt, and Demetric Muhammad, and our engineer, Wendell Handy. What you're listening to right now is um, the, uh, well, Wendell's waving to me, so what I'm hearing is not what I'm reading on my piece of paper, so I'm going to let that slide go on. So look, you guys, hey, if it's impacting you, If it's impacting our community or can uplift us as a people, let's talk about it. Peace. Next, Freedom Now.